Greetings, and welcome to Content That Moves, the podcast for brand storytellers who want to create emotional connections with the content they create. We're on a mission to shine a light on the most compelling and effective brand storytelling, and we want to arm you with the insights to create something amazing for your brand. I'm your host, Jesse Raisler, and the podcast is created by Credo Nonfiction, a content studio that moves the needle by moving your audience. Visit credononfiction.com to learn more. Today's podcast is sponsored by Brand Storytelling, bringing you the latest news, trends, and insights in branded content with top-of-the-industry events and in-depth industry coverage online. Brand Storytelling encourages a higher level of collaboration amongst advertisers, agencies, media partners, and creators in pursuit of a richer media environment. For more of the latest in the world of branded content or to explore event offerings, visit brandstorytelling.tv today. Our guests today are the leaders of a dream team of creators behind the groundbreaking podcast, Bear in a Banjo. Actor Dennis Quaid and audio storytelling mastermind Jared Gudstadt have created something completely original in the quickly evolving world of audio entertainment. And they've got some compelling ideas to share about how brands can find their share of ears through the digital airwaves. Uh, Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Appreciate you being here. Um, I have to say, this is might be the most meta show we record, being a podcast about a podcast. <laughs> um, but I couldn't imagine being about a more original, unique, and entertaining show than Baron a Banjo. So we're super excited you're here. Um, you and your team, which is like this dream team of creatives, are doing something like really unique in the world of storytelling. Baron a Banjo, fictional history. Tall Tales, maybe the first record released as a podcast? Is that right? Yeah, the yep. first time original soundtrack came up from a podcast. Super cool. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it feels like a return to the, the storytelling era of radio, right? Back in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, the old ideas keep coming around is new. Yeah. 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 Um, for someone who's not heard the show, totally unfamiliar with what it is, how do you describe it? I describe it as a true fictional story of... Uh, American recorded music. Uh, what if uh, Lomax and those guys who came out from New York with portable recorders, which they finally had in the 20s, and radio uh, coming up in its infancy, if, what if they'd passed, gone past the Carter farm, the Carter family farm, uh, by 100 miles? What would music look like? <laughs> and there are these two characters, Bear and a Banjo, who just happened to show show up at every pivotal moment of American musical history. Yeah. <laughs> There's sort of like Zelig or Forrest Gump where right. I always like the idea when you look at a photograph and you pull back a few frames after and the people who you see and they're like, oh my goodness, they were there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the, at the invention of blues and jazz and folk music and breaking Lead Belly, you know, out of prison and, you know, marrying off Sister Rosetta Tharp. And again, this is a fun way to, to tell history because most people um, in this hyper-mediated universe, sometimes we don't have time to know our roots of our music as much. And or feel like we're in a classroom and this is entertainment. Yeah, and for us, you know, even on a storytelling level, you know, there's a lot of people entering into podcasts, and we, you know, collectively have these uh, incredible different lanes that we're part of, but our commonality is we love music, we love music storytelling, and that became the foundation of 
how we were going to do something different. You know, as much as podcasting is is an old new medium, it's basically you know online radio and. Um, as it's getting crowded and there's lots of people doing amazing things like the stuff you're doing on the information side of things, mm -hmm. what's happening on the entertainment side of things and how are you going to get people to be entertained in a 100% uh, audio only medium and you know it occurred to us that why hasn't anyone been using music in a way and it really wasn't being uh, used as a bedrock for storytelling because music rights are complicated right. so the way around it was we invented our own historical <laughs> band and, and, and brought the music all the way from the you know this audio up strategy right because it's hard to make a comparison in the world of podcasting it's a lot of talk 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 mm -hmm. and in music sometimes you get a concept album or a theme album like Willie Nelson, mm -hmm. Redheaded Stranger, those types of things like that you could almost, but it, it is something I feel totally unique. And before we talk about podcasting and how hot it's become, I'd love to hear a bit about the genesis and the origin story because there's a lot of interesting people involved. Can you talk a little bit about how this all It's a two-parter story. I'll, I'll tell my part first because his part's the more interesting second <laughs> part of it. Um, essentially, just to be totally frank, was a failed uh, uh, album experiment where as the clock was running out on me uh, at my business, Jingle Pugs, I need to find something to fill my time with. And I started making a super record, as I called it, with Pooh Bear and you know T-Bone started producing it. And you know anyone who listens to the you know behind the scenes episode of Bear to Banjo, there's more detail about how we all met. Hmm. But it, the business story is interesting. Before Dennis came in to this thing, I essentially put money into the record, realized that the music business was now competing with every week with itself with New Music Friday. So they don't care the music business, I say they, about this new great album that I think is like the next Redhead Stranger or Oh Brother Where Art Thou or, mm. a, you know, Dylan contributed record. They're like, how do we market this thing? How do we get not a hundred million streams? How do we get a billion streams mm. on something? All of a sudden, the share of ear in the audio space started moving towards podcast, at which point half a martini in Christmas <laughs> last year, not this year, but the previous, I called Dennis. I'm watching Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and I go, we're making a podcast. Uh, and it, it, is that a part? what? Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then it goes, oh, a what? <laughs> and then his part comes in here. Because I really, you know, I hadn't really listened to many podcasts uh, before I got involved. And um, I had done uh, reading, book reading. I did the right stuff, and I did uh, James Patterson's book, The President is Missing, and uh, you know, really loved doing that. And... Uh, so I started listening to some podcasts, and um, the idea came to me, this is a great way to tell stories. This is a great way to um, get uh, scripts uh, on the radio, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and there's all kinds of, uh, nobody knows exactly where this is all going, but we're kind of pioneers uh, at the start of it. Yeah. And so it's really exciting. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is once we did one, we the marketplace basically said, how many more of these can you do? <laughs> At which point, Dennis and I opened up our collective minds and a few things happened. One is we realized that there's more stories to tell with original music that may be overlooked to, again, gain exposure for that music through storytelling. But it doesn't just have to be storytelling with music as the bedrock. We have a flagship property that we're building around Dennis and Talk called mm -hmm. the Denisance, which is uh, launching <laughs> uh, this year. And, you know, Dennis is one of these people who has all sorts of interests outside of the thing that people know him for. So he's going to talk with other celebrities about the thing that they're 
that people don't know them for. Yes, we're not going to talk about show business or politics. With people in show business or politics. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we also um, realize that there's this amazing business model, not to sound too uh, businessy about it, but we are in sh you know, the entertainment yeah. business. And we, first of all, de-risked the Bear to Banjo project by getting brands involved in that mm -hmm. and then realizing it was a new way to reach people and to also discretionarily peel off dollars that would otherwise go to digital or uh, television or to print. And the ask that we had was so modest uh, financially that for us it was a big deal because it offset mm -hmm. the cost of our production. Sure. But then we also were held after the fact owning the IP around it. So we, the television show, the album, uh -huh. the tour, we started to think, oh my God, there's this whole way that, you know, in Hollywood people write their passionate projects, their passion scripts, all these things. And then you're at the mercy mm -hmm. of this or this the thumbs things up or yeah thumbs things right. don't it's really hard to get a movie done yeah. uh, whereas uh, making a podcast is it's a pittance compared right. to that I know so many uh, actors and writers who have s scripts sitting in drawers that may be the title of it um, that's another thing we're doing of taking yeah. those and chopping them up into about eight pieces and uh, uh -huh. for some acts and, and making a, a series podcast out oh, of it so smart so one one script could be uh serialized to eight episodes but we do it just like this bring a director in they actors act and i think yeah. there's a process of seeing dennis act with script in hand and his commitment to this project you know one day we had somebody filming uh, just background stuff, and they're like, that was fascinating seeing, you know, he just come from a full day of work at Netflix, and then, you know, without having to do hair, makeup, or anything, he just stepped <laughs> in there, just right read right it out. once, yeah. and then I'd be like, we're good. He goes, no, we're not good. And he would just go and go and go, but then even when he was acting alongside in the final episode with Rosanna Arquette, things really clicked, I think, for both of us, knowing that we can get more done with more people in the room. And he was kind of directing, he was directing Roseanne in the room and she would be like, they do big chunks of dialogue, what do you think? And he'd be like, this part once more, we can just fly that in like a, like a yeah. music edit. Right, right. But it's very much like, like acting, only without a camera. And the audience gets to use its imagination and you have Foley and uh, it's, it's a great idea. Like with the family used to sit around and listen to the radio. Now it's people in their cars and mm -hmm. you know, if they're, if they're cut up into eight parts, that's about the time that it takes you to drive. 15 minutes is about the time it takes you to drive anywhere these totally. days. Makes so much sense. And some content that lives in the visual space we may not, you know, this is just an example, but there's reality TV shows that, that are competition shows. Like, for example, Shark Tank. Yeah. I would listen to that as much as I need to see it. Sure. The whole world is going to start catching up. There will be, if the door has just cra cracked open a little bit, next year I think the floodgates are going to open. Yeah. And we're going to see everything from people acquiring multiple seasons of old se shows and mm -hmm. fulfilling their network with that. Yeah. You're going to see, I think, great ideas. Dennis and I are really building uh, a business off of, hey, we have access to brands, we have access to talent, we have access to good ideas, and we're building our own little theater of people. Like, when we called Roseanne Arquette to be in the final episode, it wasn't how much am I getting paid, or, you know, my friend Jake Hoffman, who was just in Wolf of Wall Street and the Irishman, it wasn't how, it, it was, hey, after I do this, what else can we do uh -huh. that's my project? So we're, it's, I think you described it as like a United Artists sort of uh, model yeah, for sort audio. Of, wow. Sort of that way. We have, have freedom to do 
and give the artists as well who are bringing uh, their content and uh, to do do it the way they want to do it. Yeah. And I'm actually glad you brought up the business aspect of things. That's the reason we're all here <laughs> at Brand Storytelling is, you know, talking about brand integration. And there's a lot of brands sponsoring or even creating podcasts. You know, another great one that came out this last year, Dolly Parton's America. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Of course, one of the sponsors is a bra company. And there are like certain fits where you're like, oh, oh wow. yeah, yeah, that that works. So I'm curious, you have one sponsor. Is it One, Medi- one Medical? It, it was One Medical for Bear and a Banjo. And obviously every project will be... Uh, specific Bear and a Banjo is really, really interesting because you can offer them a, an exclusive window for the first run. Like the, today's episode that just came out of Bear and a Banjo is the first time the series is wrapped with a different advertising because it's it's ex- the first window was just during the run of all original series. Now it's iHeart, which owns the format, switched to a binge model. They still continue okay. to market it after the fact, and they look at Bear and a Banjo as more like a Game of Thrones evergreen property as opposed to every day something comes out on the daily or every day something comes out on like gossip news report, you know, entertainment reporting. You can discover this today. You can discover it two years from now. You can discover it 10 years from now, like a book. But they essentially had the first run of that coming out. And brands have the opportunity to either own content from the ground up and bake themselves into it Mm -hmm. or have a host read read like on the Denisons. I imagine that Dennis will have multiple sponsors. Just like Ronald Reagan and Death Valley Days uh-huh. <laughs> for Braxo Soap. But yeah. basically, you know, it's uh, in a way a, a curated platform for all genres of podcast on all subjects and uh, that uh, be a place to come to, to be able to sell. Right. What advice do you guys have for brands who are looking to get started in this space, whether that's a collaboration with someone like you or, or maybe starting something on their own? The, I mean, I think that there aren't many companies that specialize yet in audio-first content. So this idea of this audio-up media thing that we're working on and you know, going to be talking more about you know, a few months from now is that you can do the, hey, I'm just going to put money into an ad network and then your stuff could end up on anything from Dolly Parton to a show about video gamers to a show about like kids you know, fighting about you know, the local gossip in their high school. There is no control of the narrative. Yeah. We want to act more like an agency uh-huh. and be able to build products either from the ground up right. where they say, We're lo- here's our brief, or here we have a bunch of uh, very uh, exclusive products at the very top of our media funnel. And if mm-hmm. people want to be involved, those advertisers would be the ones that to go for the ride and not trying to, yeah. you know, push the creative this way or the other way. And that's a great way for brands to target uh, on their own specific audience mm-hmm. and to right. associate themselves with something that fits them. We were talking to a distributor this morning who is working with a condiments company to make a feature-length documentary about French fries yeah. and like fries everywhere in the world. And it's like certain things like that. It's a no-brainer when you can build it organically. And it's a lighter bite than no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> than, than doing a five-year oh, crispy. Film. Sure. Yeah, it's a crispy yeah. bite, <laughs> one would say. Sure. Um, yeah, and there's we're doing some. You know, I wish we could say more about some of the stuff that we even just came off of. But he's involved in something that's like an amazing brand film to launch a new, uh, you know, product in the car space, and there will be an audio component of that. There's going to be. It's just you know in the QSR world. There's environments too. It's not even just like, hey, put it up on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher. There's also the hotel rooms of the future, sure. the lobbies of the future, the the ride shares of the future. You have a contained audience 
the the waiting to order French fries in a McDonald's of the future. <laughs> How do we curate new items and storytelling? Uh, I like that you said contain, not captive. Yeah, yeah. audience. Right. <laughs> it's right. there's audience everywhere, and I think that much like when people were on ramping into first wave of the internet, when brands everybody all of a sudden said we have to have a website. Think about what happened there, how slow everybody was to adopt. Like, I'm sure there was a moment at like the film studios where they were like, do we need a website for Paramount? You know, do we need a website for you? Of course they do. Yeah, and all those issues were, it took years actually to work out about where does advertising belong on, on the internet. And I think those are, are pretty much wrapped up now. And uh, there's a marriage going on that I think works. Yeah. And we call what we're sort of building is the, the audio, the internet of audio where people are used to interfacing with screens to a, to a huge degree. That's where your ads get served. That's where you waste time on Instagram. That's where you order your food. That's where, that consumption model may change to the non-visual internet in the next several years with the rise of Apple Home, you know, the Google mm, Pod, right. uh, Pandora, Alexa. Uh, Alexa. Mm -hmm. And all it is is a gateway to entertainment and consumption. I don't actually yet, I have the Alexa, I don't know what sober, what toothpaste I want unless I see it. That will change right. soon because your preferences <laughs> will be built into your way that you converse with play me this song, play me this yeah. piece of audio. And I think if you look at that shift plus Spotify and Apple's shift to get people off recorded music because of the royalties they have to pay out to the majors, mm -hmm. it's going to be a hedged bet at some point that all these companies will want a huge amount of audio content to gain that share of ear in the streaming platform. Yeah, so much potential there. I mean, the future for this space seems super promising. I'm curious, what's next for the Bear and the Banjo team? <laughs> well, really, the, you know, the team right now is Dennis and I, and we're building uh, a real business around telling more stories. I think that the next project we can really uh, say is coming is uh, the a previous project that we had sold to iHeart called Make It Up As We Go, which we're all actively involved in from everything from original music to uh, uh, the concept to working with writers. Dennis is helping us cast actors. And then we're going to go fully deeper into our world with the Denisons. That's going to be our flagship talk property. And then, you know, the, tell them about the scripts from the drawer. Well, we have a, like a scripts from the drawer. I have a of a script that I wrote 20 years ago that didn't get made for one reason or another, uh, much cheaper to do on, in a podcast on Spade Cooley, which, which is a really a true crime, sort of the OJ story of the 20th, uh, mid 20th century. Uh, my friend Billy Bob has got a script on Floyd Collins, who was, uh, he was a spelunker. He went through caves uh, back in the, 20s in the early infancy of radio he got caught in the cave and it turned out that this was the third biggest story between world war one and world war two it was the first like time that you know when people fall down wells and things it'd be hundred thousand people flocked to it and it became a big radio story so it, that's a perfect fit for a podcast. A huge parallel yeah. about just capturing people's imagination now and then, like yeah. to think what made people stop in their tracks. Human, the behavior of just you know stopping to watch tragedy unfold or listen to it unfold. Right. You know, it, it really comes back to also like at some point we will crack the code on who's going to do the War of the Worlds moment for mm -hmm. for this format. And right? Then, could that ever be created? Are people too smart? You know. At the time, people were freaking out and like, jumping off bridges. Well, and a lot of people didn't have radios back then. Yeah. <laughs> it got out of the news. Wow. 
Well, an exciting new era. Thanks for sharing with us today. We're excited to be listening for the Renaissance and everything else you guys do. So thanks again for being here. Thank you. All right. Thanks. To experience Dennis and Jared's Baron and Banjo podcast, visit baronandbanjo.com. To learn more about what they're up to with their new audio storytelling company, head on over to audioup.com. Join us next time when I'll be chatting with Kirsten Falk of Charles Schwab. As the managing director of brand storytelling and innovation for the firm, she'll dive into her team's approach to telling stories for a Fortune 500 financial powerhouse. Until then, be well, have fun, and tell some amazing stories. Thank you.